Thank you for joining us for this week's 908 message. 908 is a contemporary, student-led ministry based out of Concordia St. Paul. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We hope you join us some Wednesday night and are blessed through the words of our speaker. I can use my coach's voice if I need to. Well, Sam asked me to come out about three months ago, and I couldn't come. So he said, well, how about moving it to the future? So I said, okay, well, I got this Wednesday because we're going to practice till 7.15, so I'll just roll over. And then this wounded warrior thing took place tonight, so it's been spread pretty thin. Then I went on the radio show with Mike Mass, but I told him I was coming over to chapel, so all is good. Um, Sam said, do you have any scripture that you're going to read from? No. I said, I'm just going to come in and, and talk to This is impressive. Let me just tell you this. So I'm just going to roll, and uh, we'll see how it works out. I'm from Minnetonka High School. That's where I went to school. I have no college education. I was a laborer and a block player for 25 years. I coached everything I could. When I was in junior high, uh, we went through ninth grade in Minnetonka, and we had an east and west junior high. And we didn't like each other because we played against each other. And then when we got to 10th grade, now we were teammates, but yet we were competing. I was a first baseman and a catcher. Well, I didn't want their guy to play. I wanted to play. So it it was an interesting transition. But it was late September, and we were in uh, Fayette. We used to have Fayette back then. I don't know if they still have Fayette. And we were playing softball. And softball was the activity for like, they did it for like two weeks, and then they rolled over. And I was one of the better guys because I was a baseball player and a kid, kid from West Junior High was next to me and he was a pretty good player too. So we were kind of the dudes out there. Not that anybody was really very good, but we, we thought we were pretty cool. And so I'm getting to know the guy and he says to me, you know, I bat boy for the Twins. I, I bat boy in the visiting clubhouse for the Minnesota Twins every once in a while. I say, you do? Well, how'd you get that job? He said, well, I, I mow one of the players' lawns. I said, well, that's cool. I love the Twins. Okay, I loved them. So that was kind of the end of that. We just kept going through Fayette, got to know him a little bit. About two weeks later, I'm staying at a buddy's house because my mom and dad were at a convention out of town. And I'm telling you, we had dial phones. We had no caller ID, there, you know, no cell phones. And the phone rings, and they, that, it was pre-lunch days. That's when they called me Mark. And, <laughs> and the mother said, uh, Mark, it's for you. So I assumed it was my mother because dad wasn't going to call, and how would anybody else know I was there? So I got on the phone, it was the kid. It was, it was the kid from West. And he said, hey, uh, this is Mike. You, you want to come down and bat boy the last three games of the homestand because the, the bat boy's got to go to college. I said, well, yeah, why'd you call me? He said, well, I called all my friends. Your mom's won't let them out of school. I said, mine will. <laughs> so I went down to bat boy the last three games of the season for the visiting teams, for the, which means if they're playing Cleveland, I was bat boying for Cleveland. And it worked out pretty good. And then the guy that ran the clubhouse said to me, uh, you want to work Viking games? He said, because I do the Viking visiting clubhouse too, so you can come down and be a ball boy and you know, help in the clubhouse and injury cart and all that stuff. I said, sure. So I went down there and did that. That was 1968. Now Sunday, I'll work my second Super Bowl. It's my 50th year in the clubhouse. And to me, that door was just open. So I continued to coach, but I couldn't be a head varsity coach because they had a rule in the state of Minnesota you had to have a teacher certificate and a degree. But they allowed me to be an assistant coach, and it went, went pretty good. And uh, finally, Paul Blanchard, who's actually down at Southwest State now, was a head guy, and he resigned, and he went and told the idea you got to hire McKenzie. He said, well, I can't. He said, well, I just think you should. 
So the AD called me up and said, would you be interested in taking the job? I said, yeah, why would you call me and how can you call me? He said, well, I've thought it over and we're just going to offer you the job. So I took the job and the teachers union didn't like it too much, but most of those guys were my former coaches. So we were, we were pretty successful from 1957 to 1991. Minnetonka had been to two state tournaments and then we, I took over the team with a couple buddies of mine and we went to five in a row. Uh, the parents were kind of getting on everything. It still wasn't good enough. My twin boys were coming. They were pretty good players. I wanted to let them stand on their own two feet, so I stepped down. And so this was 1997. So I got out of construction. I was doing my own thing, kind of in t-shirt business, doing some memorabilia stuff. And USA Baseball called me out of nowhere. And they said, hey, we're starting a 16-under team. We're going to go to Taiwan. We're looking for a hitting coach. We'd like to take a northern coach with, because everybody else was from California, Florida, Texas. Would you take that job? I said, well, yeah, but why'd you call me? He said, well, you know, we're looking. We heard you weren't doing anything. You might be available, uh, you know, and, you know, we, we just want to know if you want to go. So I talked to my family. They said, go. So, so I went. And we went to the World Championships, and we finished fifth in the World Championship. And the United States Olympic Committee was funding the program, not Major League Baseball. And they didn't really believe in the 16-under program. They were doing it because other countries did it, as opposed to Little League and these types of things. So they said, I tell you what, if you can't win a medal in our sport, we're, gonna, we're not going to fund this. So we'll give you one more year. If you can't at least win a bronze medal, we'll just gas the program. So they called me, gave me the team. I got two great assistants. We didn't lose a game. We became the United States Olympic Committee Team of the Year. I was the coach of the year, and I got out of construction. About four months later, I was teaching baseball and softball lessons. I had 21 employees underneath me, and life was good. And that was 98. In the fall of 99, now we got caller ID. <laughs> and I'm doing lessons, and I'm doing lessons till about 10 o'clock at night. It was crazy. I mean, we could have taught all night. And the money was good, and I enjoyed working with, with the kids. And so I'm sitting at home about 10 o'clock, and the phone rings, and my son Marcus goes, Dad, you, you want to take the call? I said, no, it's too late. He said, okay. I, the chief executive officer at the time for USA Baseball's name was Dan O'Brien. So... He says, it's Dan O'Brien. I said, well, give me the phone. <laughs> Figuring I got another USA team. And the guy on the other end says, uh, Lance McKenzie, this is Dan O'Brien. I'm the new athletic director at Concordia University St. Paul. Completely different guy. <laughs> and I said, okay. He says, I'm wondering if you'd like to become our baseball coach because we're going to go Division Two. I said, well, Dan, why'd you call me? He said, well, I was... Actively looking for some guys locally, but a couple of them, one guy took a job at St. Mary's, just moved his family down there. We've got some other guys that have jobs that can't move. I said, well, Dan, I, I don't have a college degree. He said, well, that's an issue because 89% of the faculty and staff at Concordia have PhDs. I said, well, that, you're going to find out anyway. I'm not going to lie to you. So they talked to President Holtz at the time, uh, who was the predecessor of President Reese, and he said, well, Dan, if you want him, go ahead and hire him. Abe Lincoln didn't have a degree either. He said, so if you want this guy, get him. So they hired me. Uh, now, because of that, I never go to theaters, just so you know. But um, <laughs> that's a little joke. I actually do go to theaters. But I like Netflix, too. Um, so I took the job. Uh, we had 23 players on our team. 14 hadn't started for their varsity in high school. It was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. We, we were horrible. And we went over to play St. Thomas. And they were really good at Division Three. And one of their players who had played at Creighton when I was at Minnetonka came up and said, hey, coach, how, what's it like coaching at Concordia compared to coaching at U.S. national team? I said, well, I'll tell you what, Matt, I'm coaching them exactly the same way. 
which tells you you got to have some horses and you got to have the horses pull a wagon in the same, same direction because I don't care what I know if I don't have some players, I, we're not going to win. I'm be the smartest man on earth, we're not going to win. So here I am 19 years later. But in between there now, I was on three hiring committees for football coaches and the ADs. And so this last time when Mr. Rebelke re resigned, they asked me if I'd be on the committee. So I got on the committee and six weeks into the search, Dr. Lamont called, me, called and said, I'd like you to come and meet me. So I'm going, well, what did I do wrong here? So I, I walk in there and I hope I don't see the human resource person sitting in the room. That, that literally happened, by the way. I said, is Mary Arnold in here? He said, no. And he said, we'd, we'd like to offer you the, the athletic director job. I said, okay. He says, well, what do you think? I said, well, I don't know. He said, why? I said, because I've never thought about it and I don't want to quit coaching baseball. And he said, what if I let you do both? I said, well, can I do both? And I don't mean may I do both. Can I do both? Can I still coach the baseball team and be effective and do a job, the job that you want for the Concordia University? And he said, well, let's try it. Now, I've got a great staff and we made some amendments in there. Reagan McCarthy became my associate AD. She's, I, I tell people when I'm not here, she's in charge. And I tell people lots of times when I am here, she's in charge. Um, you know, she wants to be an athletic director. She's got the compliance background. She's into all of the NCAA, NSIC things, all the things I don't want to do. Uh, and I'm too old to be learning that stuff anyhow. So we, we set up a deal that I'll be the front man, I'll go fundraise, I'll do the speaking, I'll, I'll organize, I'm a business guy, I've got a little bit of a business background through some, through some people that help me. And I'll, you know, we'll set up some things to try to cut, cut some costs, raise a bunch of dough, and see if we can get this thing rolling. Um, one of the big things we tried to do is create interdepartment collaboration because we didn't have a lot of that before and, it, and it's working. And, so here I am. Uh, I've got two jobs I shouldn't have, and uh, I've gotten to do a whole bunch of pretty cool stuff. Now the Viking thing, I've been there, like I said, for 50 years, so I mean we've been able to watch the highest level winning and losing. When we were at the Metrodome, we had Final Fours. I had Duke twice when they won. Uh, I'm horrible at names. TJ, I see him sitting there. He comes in there. I his mom and dad introduce themselves. I forget their name in eight seconds. I'm horrible at it. Well, what I learned was guys like Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski, I had them in the clubhouse for you know, two final fours. I'm a clubhouse guy, for gosh sakes. I hang up the jerseys and stuff and you know, kind of do what, things that they need. I see him at a convention, he goes, hi, Mark. So I learned, geez, there's a higher level of intelligence with these guys than there is with a guy like me. Um, I guess the whole message that I've got for you is I always tell my recruits this story. And I also tell them that I firmly believe I'm not steering my ship. I've had a lot of doors open for me that absolutely should not have been open. And all I'm doing is walking through them and trying to do the best I can and not screw it up. I've had a lot of successes in my life. Um, I felt like I had to prove myself. By the way, all my children have degrees. They all have master's degrees. I made sure of that. Because my way of doing this is, like I say, God's steering my ship. Uh, this is not a conventional way to do anything, and I would not advise anybody to try to go this way. Working in the Twins Clubhouse and the Viking Clubhouse has been an incredible resource. USA Baseball absolutely changed my life. I wouldn't have this job had we not won that gold medal. Now, I've been with them 21 years now. We've, I've been a part of nine gold medals. So it's, it's just Wally World. Uh, Reggie Jackson, a famous home, home run hitter, my daughter, was named after Reggie. Reggie um, was her godfather. He's a godfather of my twin boys. I spoke at his Hall of Fame induction. 
I bad boy the first two American League Championship Series they ever had in 69 and 70 for the Orioles. I've worked NFL championships. This will be my second Super Bowl. I've got the Final Fours. I'm a head coach at Concordia University. I've got nine gold medals. Okay. Every now and then I sit around and go, geez, you did pretty good. You know, you did pretty good. And I used to say that a lot more when I was younger. Now I just say thank you. Now I drive by scaffolds and say prayers. <laughs> because I don't want to be out in this stuff laying block, and that's what I would have been doing if God didn't open the doors and let me walk through them to create these opportunities. So I, I tell, when people ask about our program, from where we started to where we are, we're certainly not at the level that volleyball team is, but we're, we're, we've done pretty good. And we've had 16 guys sign professional contracts. So that means we've had, since from where we started with 14 guys hadn't played varsity baseball in high school, to now, we've won some championships. We've had a lot of guys go on and did great jobs. And we've had 16 guys that weren't good enough to play for the Minnesota Gophers leave here good enough to play for the Minnesota Twins. I didn't get any of those guys signed. I didn't lift a weight. I didn't practice. I didn't go to school. I didn't stay out of trouble off the field. So we don't take credit for other people's success. Those kids came in here, went to school, did their right job, and got it done. I get some credit, geez, go to, go to Concordia, you might have a chance if you're good enough to sign. Yeah, you might, but you gotta do the work, okay? Well, I feel like I've done the work. I, I, I try to do the best I can. I've told you about a lot of my successes. My teeth are fake. I got knocked out playing hockey. I started wearing the mouth guard after my teeth got knocked out, which means I was reactive instead of proactive. That's kind of like not going to back up first base and then the ball's overthrown, now go get it. No, just go back it up in case somebody overthrows it, all right? Just go down there, okay? So I have tried, my dentist actually taught me that. He says, you need to put a bridge in because these posts aren't working. He says, you can be proactive or reactive. So I got it done because literally I was giving speeches and my post had fall out and that was a pretty attractive deal. Um, uh, I'm diabetic. I've had nine major surgeries. And when I was laying block in Shakopee, Minnesota on December 8th, 1983, I got a phone call and they said, come home, your two-year-old daughter is dead. My daughter was not sick. She got what they thought was croup. And we had her in the shower and was steaming. And I even called the doctor and said, look, my, my daughter's, she's scared. And I'm, I'm a little scared too because I can tell she's scared. And he said, you know, don't overreact, Mr. McKenzie. If she's worse in the morning, bring her in. And I said to him, Doc, this kid's scared, and if she dies, I'm going to be pretty upset with you. So I went to work the next day and got the call, and Jackie had died from homophilus influenza, which all of you got a vaccine for, because six months later they had the Hib vaccine, which prevents this. Basically, she got a virus that resembled croup, and she, her throat swelled shut, and she suffocated. Didn't have to have the bubblegum medicine. That's bubblegum medicine, that would have saved her. But I didn't get her in there. Okay? That, it, it was about as low as I could get. It was about as low as I could get. It was, uh, it was really hard. Eight months and 28 days later, my wife gave birth to my twin boys, and she was not expecting when my daughter died. Now, everything I'm telling you, if it doesn't go back here, I'm kidding myself, because I'm not that good. Okay? We tell our players, Babe Ruth died and they kept playing baseball. Mark McKenzie doesn't come to Concordia tomorrow. I guarantee they have a nice little service for me and it's going to roll right on. If you get caught up in yourself too much, and you have to, I mean, you have to take care of your own business. But if you get 
too caught up in yourself. It won't work out so good. The reason I'm still with the Minnesota Vikings after 50 years, my partner and I, Joe Hofer, the trainer, his dad and I, have been down there all those years is because we were taught by our mentor, if you think you're a big shot, you'll be out the door in two seconds. So even though we get to do wonderful, I'm gonna unpack Tom Brady's bag, I'm gonna, we're gonna do the water of the Gatorade, we're gonna warm up the kickers and the punters, we're gonna get to see that game for free, and actually they're gonna pay us. That's a great deal. But if I start to think I'm special because of that, it's like that, be out the door, because I'm not special, I'm incredibly blessed. I'm incredibly blessed to be talking here, I'm incredibly blessed to be at this university, rather than out there landlocked. I'm incredibly blessed to have three children now. My daughter Kelly used to attend this. Okay, I'm incredibly blessed to have my sons, and I was incredibly blessed to have Jackie. Now, Jesus' life was hard, and he did nothing wrong. Why shouldn't mine be hard? It is hard. Marriage is hard. Work is hard. Life is hard. Okay? Social media, everything you got, no, it's hard to stay out of junk. Okay? It's hard not to get involved in stuff. When you're down, there's your answer. There's no guarantee. Eight months and 28 days later, you're, it didn't solve it, but it sure helped. And it just renewed. I never had any doubt, to be honest with you. But it was hard. It was really hard. But I believe that the reason it happened is so I could stand here in front of you right here and do what I'm doing. I believe that I've repeated, I've repeated this story, I don't know, a thousand times. I get paid to do it. They'll fly me down to some place to give a motivational talk. I get to tell my story and give my testimony and somebody gives me a thousand dollars. It's a great country, okay? So I really don't have a whole lot else to tell you other than I just wanted to come in and give you my testimony, tell you what's going on. I am not a perfect man. This is not a perfect place. My program is not perfect. My family's not perfect. I'm doing the best I can. And the beautiful thing is, is I can get up in the morning and I can read my scripture and I can be reassured that, all right, just, you, you didn't do too good yesterday. Let's pick it up. And I can say thank you because I've, I've got a way out. Without Jesus, I got, I got no chance because I'm not good enough. And I have no problem with self-esteem. I don't mean I'm not good enough. I'm just saying, you cannot not sin. That's poor grammar. You cannot not sin. Now that is not an excuse to go ahead and sin intentionally when you know it's wrong. But you cannot not sin. I believe you can find that in Romans. So there, I gave you some scripture, Sam, so get off my back. All right? <laughs> So I'm on a roll. I don't feel sorry for myself whatsoever, but I've had a really long day. <laughs> but uh, this, was, this, was, this was really cool. I appreciate you inviting me in here, and it's fun to come in and see young people. And I've been blessed to be in the kid business, and I'm not trying to call you a kid, okay? But when you're as old as me, I mean, 40-year-olds are kids, for God's sakes. But uh, Pastor Gutterman's awesome, big baseball fan. He's a good man, and this is a really cool thing you're doing. And that, that was very good. You guys in that talent show next Wednesday? Just stay out of it because the baseball coaches are going to win that thing, all right? Uh, I got God on my side. So, hey, God bless you. I appreciate you. And uh, if you see me around campus, yell at me, all right? Thanks.
thank you for working in wonderful and mysterious ways. We don't always know what's going on and what your intentions are, but Lord, we know that you work for the good of those that love you. And Lord, we just thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us, to take away our sins, so that in our darkest moments we have light. Um, Lord, I ask that you be with us tonight as we focus on your words tonight, and we ask that you be with us as we leave this place. Let everything that we do point to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, moving into our time of prayer, feel free to move around the chapel. at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Go in peace.